we started last week a three-week series, right, on, on it's called Fear Not. In each of these gospel accounts, uh, an angel appears. And the first thing the angel says to the people is, fear not. Yeah, fear not, right? And so last week, Pastor Cindy shared with us the account of Mary and her example. And, you know, she demonstrated how you can overcome the fear of doing what God's called you to do. And that can be a tough thing for us sometimes. Uh, today, we're going to look at Joseph. And, and, and at least what I personally think can be one of the hardest things that happens. Because today we're going to be talking about overcoming the fear of what other people think about us. Or what other people might think. And I, and I have a feeling there's a lot of us who, while it can be tough sometimes to not be afraid of obeying God and doing some of those things... Sometimes I think for a lot of us, we might think, well, I, I'm more cool with that. But man, what are, you know, I think a lot of our lives get, get shaped by concern about what other people will think. Okay, not only about our spiritual lives, but just what will I wear today? Will they like it? Right? You know, some of you worry about how you're going to fix your hair. I don't, but that's not, you know, that's not a, I never worry about the fear of what other people will think about my hair today because it's always the same, you know, so you're either going to love me or not, but you know, but, but here's a question for us. Okay. This group, group thing, you know, why do we care about what other people think about us? Why do we care? Accepted. That's a good answer. We want to be accepted. Why else? Okay. I mean, what kind of things do we care about? When, when, when we say, I care about what other people think about me, what kind of things are we talking about? What, what do we care about that they think about us? That we care that they think we're competent. What other things do we care about? Fear, yeah, we care what they're going to, like, evaluate our decisions, right? I mean, do we care? Sometimes we care about, you know, what will they think about the car I drive or the clothes I wear or do they like where I live or, you know. Sometimes we care about, you know, what this, the plate of food I, you know, just put down the, you know, cafeteria line. They're going to look and go, really? <laughs> you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna eat all that? You know, I mean, look, when you really get to thinking about it, I mean, I, I, we don't need to over-spiritualize this part, right? I mean, yes, of course, we care about some spiritual things and that other people might think, oh, you know, you're not living, you know, a life that honors God. But I think we worry about a lot more trivial things, too. Right? We just we worry about you know what if I what if I tell a joke and no one laughs, you know what if what if I uh, you know what if I offer some kind of kindness to somebody but they don't reciprocate you know I mean we we worry about what other people are going to think about us now, not that that's so bad but here's the here's the the challenge this fear that it can have, is because we do care, is that if we aren't careful that fear of what others will think about us can become a driving force in our lives. And it, and it can start to cause us to make choices and prioritize everything we do around what we think will make other people like us better. Okay, today we're going to see that very thing playing out in the life of Joseph regarding his fear of the opinions of others. And Joseph is going to have to confront kind of a, uh, this, this decision, right, this, this attitudes and opinions of people, because he's going to have to decide between doing what's easy and doing what's right. Sometimes that's a real choice, what's easy 
versus what's right. Between what his family, his neighbors, his friends, his work colleagues, the folks he goes to church with, you know, what all of them would tell him he ought to do, okay, versus what God wants him to do. So let's just begin. We'll read today's scripture. And that's going to be in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 24. If you have your Bibles, uh, give you a chance to pull it out. It'll be up on the screen, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll follow it together, okay? So this is Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home in his wife, as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's just uh, review real quickly what we read there. Okay, so we know the story, right? Joseph is engaged to be married to this young girl. A lot of people think probably 14, 15 years old, named Mary. And scripture tells us she was a virgin. Now, I think most of you know this, but engagements were different back in Bible times, okay? Engagements, you know, I mean, today, right, if there's a couple and they're engaged and things kind of start to not go well, you know, they can just kind of take a step back. Sometimes they uh, return the gifts, but they just end up going their own way, right? I mean, they just call it off and, and go their own way. Uh, not so back then. Uh, back in, the, in those days, engagement was a binding agreement. It was a legal agreement, which meant if you broke off the engagement, you actually had to file for divorce. Okay, so it's a, it a this idea of not going through with ending a, a, an engagement was a big deal. Okay, you didn't do that lightly. So with that in mind, if we just think about verse 18 again, here they are, they're engaged, but Mary is found to be pregnant. Now, let's just be practical here for a minute, okay? Uh, you know, those people back in Bible times were real people with real feelings and real emotions, just like, like us, right? And uh, so here's a real simple thing we can know. No matter what else happens, this, they're going to have to have a tough conversation. It's going to be difficult, isn't it, Mary and Joseph? Because Mary's got to tell Joseph that she's pregnant and that it's the Holy Spirit. Now, how many times has Joseph heard that story before? No one's ever heard that story before, right? And so, I mean... You know, Joseph has just got to be thinking, I mean, on one side, like, do I look like I'm born yesterday? I mean, really? You know, or, you know, or, man, Mary, I can't believe you're trying to blame God for what you've done. Right? I can't believe you're trying to blame God. Because, I mean, Mary, look, we know that's not how you get pregnant. Right? But, but Mary, for her, that's her story. I mean, that's the only story she's got. And so that's what she's, that's what she's, that's what she tells him. So then that just leaves Joseph to decide. And so, I mean, you know, the one thing Joseph knows for sure 
is that he didn't get her pregnant. Now, he knows that. He knows he didn't do it. But yet, she's telling this crazy story. So, I mean, can you imagine the things that are racing through Joseph's mind? I mean, if we really think about it, he's just a normal human guy. And, I mean, he's either thinking this girl has gone crazy, right? Or she really thinks I'm kind of stupid. Or she's just lying. She's just lying. She can't come up with a better story, and so she's just lying. And But I don't know what it is, but no matter what it is, we know from Scripture because of what it says. Joseph has decided, but I don't want to marry her. It's, it's, I mean, it was a big enough thing that he just says, whatever the situation, I know I didn't do it. I don't want to go forward. I don't want to go forward. Okay? Now, he's got another problem, right? Because he's also thinking, besides, if I stay with this girl, what's everybody going to think? What are they going to think? I mean, and... I mean, how am I going to explain this to my parents? How am I going to explain it to my friends? How am I going to explain it to the church? But, man, I'm caught between a rock and a hard place because even if I do move on, even if I do call it off, I mean, Mary's still pregnant. And everybody's going to think I did it. They're all going to blame me. They're all going to think I'm the guy that got her pregnant. And then what other father is going to let me marry their daughter? So, look, Scripture doesn't spell all that out, does it? Okay? But, I mean, but what else could somebody be thinking when it tells us that he's decided not to marry her? I mean, we, we, what we, that's just what we do know. We do know he decided to end the relationship. So, either he doesn't believe her or he just doesn't want to take the heat. Okay? But whichever way it was, he's ready to call it quits. And that's confirmed in verse 19 because it said, but Joseph was a righteous man, and he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, so he just had in mind to divorce her quietly. So he was just going to quietly do it. Now, the truth is, this idea that he was going to divorce her quietly was actually a very noble thing for him to do, right? Uh, uh, you know, because he doesn't want to go public. He doesn't want her to suffer the public humiliation and disgrace. And in fact, in those days, if, I mean, if he had made a big enough deal of it, you could get stoned for what that I mean, for immorality being pregnant before you're, you're married. And so he didn't want her to suffer that way. And, you know, I, again, Scripture doesn't tell us this, but, again, human emotion. Don't you imagine the truth of it is that Joseph is real, really still very much in love with her? I mean, he loved her enough to want to marry her, right? So I think Joseph is still really in love with her, and he cares about her, but, man, is he hurt. It's just he's hurt. And he's just thinking, if I just do this quietly, maybe she can just somehow move on, and you know, so can I. But he knows no matter what he does and how she feels about it, he's a marked man. Everybody's going to blame. At the end of the day, everybody is going to blame him for this mess because everybody else that looks at it, hears about it, sees it, is going to think Joseph got her pregnant. That's it, okay? And so he's going to get blamed for it. So as we continue to look at this account, let's see what it can teach us about how we can overcome that fear about what other people are going to think about us, okay? So the first step let's take a look at in overcoming the fear of how not to be afraid about what other people are going to think about us is, is we decide in it, and, and here's a big point, we decide in advance, 
that we are going to live for God. Okay? We need to decide in advance that we're going to choose to live for God and not other people. When I say that, why is it important that we choose in advance to live that way? Why do we need to choose in advance that we're going to live for God in what comes up in our lives? What do you think? Boy, that's it. In the moment, I mean, we can all, when, when life is good and the water's calm, it's really easy to be very spiritual. It's very easy to say, I, I have time to think, and I, and I know what God would have me do, and if I want to live for God, I know the right thing. When the heat's on, you're in the middle of the fire. As one of my good friends used to say, when you're the guy that's wrapped around the axle, you know, spinning, okay, it's pretty hard to think clearly, isn't it? It's hard to think clearly. So this is one of those things where we need to decide in advance. So, man, this deciding in advance to live for God, right? Joseph's going to learn that choosing to live for God, choosing to please God, is often going to draw the disapproval of other people, isn't it? If you, you know, if you choose to live for God and obey God, there's going to be other times. There's going to be times when people around you, they're not going to agree with you. They're, uh, they're not going to understand why you're doing what you're doing. They're just not going to understand. And, and, I mean, this can be in big things. This can be in smaller things. Uh, just one example in my life was years ago uh, when I was first starting my working career. Okay, I grew up in Texas, and I, was, I grew up in the Dallas area, and I started working for uh, the company I worked for for 40 years down in Dallas. And I worked there for a few months, about a year, and... Uh, you know, I was back home, right? I was, I was living back around all my friends I'd grown up with, and it was good. I mean, I had family there and everything. Okay, and after a period of time, I got offered a job in New Orleans. And I, I wasn't really sure. You know, I, I knew I was supposed to go because I wanted to grow in my career. But So I was going to go, but like everybody around me is going, why would you go to New Orleans? You know, why would you move there? I mean, everybody, you know, your family, everybody's here. Why would you leave town? And I'm kind of like, well, you know, I felt like I was supposed to go. And finally, uh, you know, everybody in that case rationalized it, right? They said, well, at least you're still in the South, you know, or, you know, you're not that far. And so they sort of, everybody sort of let me go and, you know, stayed friends with me, right? Well, after a couple of years down there, I got offered a job to move up here. Now everybody's going, are you nuts? Why, why would you move to where is that place? I mean, you know, is it, it's, isn't it cold there all year long? And, I mean, no, you know, I mean, nobody really... If they were telling the truth, right? I mean, sometimes my parents and people were trying to, you know, have a brave face and say, well, you need to do what, you know. They didn't want me to move. They wanted, in fact, all those people had thought that I'd actually, my next move would be back to Dallas. And so, I mean, they were like, why are you moving up there? And, but I knew that was where, this was what God had for me to do. I knew that I was being called uh, to move up here. And so I had to have a choice, I had to make a choice, right? I had to, whether I felt like what God was calling me to do or what everybody around me would, would want me to do. Now, you know, when I get to look back, I say, well, see, I made a really good choice, right, moving up here because I had a long career. But this is also where I met Pastor Cindy, you know. So, I mean, where else would I met the love of my life, right? I had to move up here. And, and then, you know, I mean, this is where our kids were born, and this is where God called us to plant a church. I mean, I just look at my life, and when I get to look back, 
I go, you know, it was a little bit of a tough decision. It would have been really easy back at the time when, all, when everybody that I knew, loved, and trusted was going, why would you go there? It would have been really easy and popular. In fact, they would have liked me better if I would have said, you know what? You're right. I'm coming back home. Okay? But, I mean, now, but now looking back at it, you go, look at everything. I mean, I don't know where my life would be, but it wouldn't have been this. And I'm just thankful for this. I'm thankful that I'm here with you today. Do you see what I mean? You look back and you go, I I can't tell you what might have been, but I can tell you, I thank God every day for what he did give me. Okay? And so, look, you're going to be faced with choices like this, that that it's not really like one's wrong versus right, but it's it's what does God want you to do? Okay? It's what, what does God want you to do? So here we know from the biblical account in verse 20 then, because Joseph is facing this very thing. What's he going to do? And it says uh, that, that, you know, if I put it in normal talk, that he's kind of weighed the pros and cons, right? He's thought about what, what could be good, what could be bad, and he's come down to the fact that the cons outweigh the pros. So he's going to end it. But that night, in a dream, an angel of the Lord appears to him. And he says, Joseph, fear not. Don't be afraid, Joseph. Because you know this crazy story that Mary's been telling you? It's actually true. Joseph, it's actually true. And then he says, and I love this. Okay, because think about it. This is, you know, when we talk about the power of our words, right, and, and speaking life over things and people speaking things into being. Okay, so the angel, let's, I mean, let's be as aware of what the angel doesn't say is what he does say, okay? He starts off, he says, don't be afraid, Joseph, to go home and take Mary to be your wife. And then he doesn't say, so you better do it, Joseph, because I've got to, you know, he, he, says, he says, now, Why? Okay, so he says, because she will give birth to a son. Okay, so she, she's got a role, right? She will give birth to a son. But Joseph, you, you are to give him the name Jesus. Okay, it wasn't like, and whoever decides to take her in, or whoever's there with her, Joseph, you We'll give her the name Jesus. Give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. Now, Joseph wakes up. And can you imagine? I mean, I, I think he's probably sweaty. <laughs> I think this was, you know I mean? I think this was one of those dreams that you don't just wake up from and go, you know, oh, you know, wow. What, you know, look. He went to bed thinking, I'm done with this, and I'm out of here. He wakes up, and the angel said, nope, you're not supposed to leave her. She was actually telling you the truth. Now, here's here's the thing. Joseph, it tells us that he was a righteous man, which means Joseph knew Scripture. He knew words, all that had been written. So let's remember, uh, okay, I'm being real simple. We're in the New Testament now, which means he had all the Old Testament, Right? I mean, he had all of the prophecy. 
He had all the words of the prophets. And so one of the things, I mean, now get this, imagine. So what Joseph would know is that centuries earlier, the prophets had said, had told them about Messiah and that, and that it would occur. And what Joseph has just understood in this dream is that it's now and he's supposed to be part of the story. I mean, can you imagine that? Okay, who would think that, right? You would always think it'd be someone else, but it's you. And that's part of our lives as well. There are times when God can be telling us to do something, and we could imagine that it's too big for us. It's not something we would know how to do. But the question is not, can God get it done? The question is, will we obey, right? Will we accept it? By the way, you know, Satan was just as active back then as he is now. That's not, so this is not a recent occurrence, right? We talk about the enemy attacking in our lives and whispering in our ear and telling us lies. Satan's been doing that since the beginning of time, okay? And he was right there, though, whispering in Joseph's ear. I mean, after, I mean think about this. Right after, when, when do you get attacked the most sometimes? You get attacked right after you've had the clearest word from God. You have, we always talk about right after your mountaintop experience, the devil tries to throw you right back down in the valley, Right? Well, can you imagine? So Joseph has just awakened from a dream where he didn't just have a good dream. He had an angel dream. He had a dream where an angel said, no, think about it, right? He's just probably had the singular, most incredible moment of his entire life up to that point. Okay? And right after, can you imagine the, the enemy whispering in his ear? Yeah, but you still know what people are going to say about you. And this is going to cost you your standing in the community. Joseph, you know that carpenter shop business you've built up? Who's going to come to you? Who's going to be your customer anymore? They're all going to think, you got that girl pregnant. Okay? You're not going to be a deacon in the church. You know? They're not going to... Okay? You're, you're, you got trouble here. Who's... Besides Joseph, you didn't even believe her story. You didn't even believe her story. So who's going to believe that you had a dream from God? Man, that's just a convenient excuse you guys are using. So right now, Joseph has got to decide, right? He's got to decide because it's really the greatest test of his life. Is I'm gonna, am I going to do what people are telling me to do or am I going to obey what God has told me to do? He's right there because I can promise you as well that if you're a follower of Jesus at different points in your life, you're going to be confronted uh, with the same choice. You will be confronted with the same choice. You probably already have been. You're going to have an opportunity to obey something that you know God is calling you to do or to do something that's probably looking a whole lot easier on the surface. Something that may win you greater approval from family and and friends or coworkers. Something that will help you get along better. You may think it would help your career more. Okay? Problem is... When we have a fear of what people will think about us, the first thing that'll do is to cause us to reject what God is calling us to do. Fear of rejection will cause us to do that. So, and look, we all know. Let's be realistic with ourselves, okay? Most of us, we we lean towards wanting to please people, don't we? It's it's difficult not to, because after all. People are right there in front of us every day. We can see them. We, you know, we have to live with them. We have to work with them. And so it's really easy to get caught 
and, and lean in that way to want to fit to, you know, kind of fit in to be part of the group. But if we're not careful, what we can find is over time that we've surrendered, surrendered our lives to the world and to what other people will think instead of to God. Good news is the opposite's also true. Okay? If we care the most about what God's calling us to do, that's the best way for us to not fear what other people will think. Okay, and so, I mean, okay, can I, can I give you a profound statement? This is terribly profound. I'm sure none of you have ever thought of this before, okay? Uh, so, so you probably want to write this down. You, know, you can't please everybody. I, 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 I know you guys have all needed to hear that for years. <laughs> Today, um, I'm rolling it out for you, okay? So I, I, you can thank me later, okay? Uh, but you can't please everybody, can you? Okay, and the minute you try to, somebody won't like it, right? You know, if somebody says, oh, you look great when you wear green. Well, you wear green, you know, your mother will say, you look awful in green. I mean, you, you know, I mean, right, if you try to please, you, you just can't please everybody. You're going to please one group, you're going to displease another one. The best news in the world is, but you can please God. You can please God. You can live your life Somebody wrote, for an audience of one. And praise God for that, right? You can please God. And, and that's where Joseph is. He's, he's going to have to come to this place where he's going to go, you know what? God's opinion of me is the one I'm going to listen to. It's going to matter to me more than anyone else's. My friends, even my parents, all the people up till now that I've loved and trusted. But in this case, i got to listen to God. And, and, and whatever heat comes from it. So be it, right? That's what I've got to do. Okay, so once we decide that we're going to live for God, then what we've got to realize it comes with it. And so the next step is we've got to be willing to be misunderstood. And sometimes even criticized for that. Look, this is a statement that I will stand with, okay? If you're not ready to be criticized by people who don't understand your obedience to God, if you're not ready to take the heat, Okay, then you're probably not ready to be used by God because, you, because it will come. You've got to be ready. Just think, even now that Joseph has decided he's going to stay with Mary, think about all the ways that the two of them are going to be criticized. Just because he's staying with her doesn't mean there's not going to be criticism. Can you hear all the little folks whispering around behind their back? Yeah, you know, the months don't add up. Who's really believing that Holy Ghost story about the baby? You know they were fooling around. That's going to go on, isn't it? Because they're, the other people, are, everybody's human. And the enemy is wanting to use people to cause dis, disunity and dissatisfaction and anger. This is what they have to look out for. Look, it may not be that in your life, but however this plays out, if it happened, hadn't happened already in some way, sooner or later... You're going to be reading God's word or in prayer or worshiping God, and God is going to give you something, put something in your heart, and lead you to do something. And you're going to know it's from God. You're going to, you're going to know that it's something. I want, to, I want to just warn you in advance. I'm telling you right now that when you step out and start to do it, you're going to draw some negative attention, some ridicule, some joking. Whatever it's going to be, it's going to be aimed at toward you. And again, sometimes it can be heavy-duty stuff. Sometimes it can be lightweight. But, you know, sometimes it's the lighter weight stuff that's the hardest. 
Simple example. I've told, I think I've told this here before in another example, but a few years ago, uh, Pastor Cindy started out a while ago talking about we'll have our 21 days of prayer and fasting here starting in a few weeks, and I hope you'll be a part of that. It's, a, it's just a, it's a great time. I, I'll be the first to admit, before we started doing it here, I never fasted in my life. For any, I, I just want to tell you, and I wouldn't quit now. I wouldn't miss it now for anything. Okay, I just I wouldn't. It's just I've seen God do too much, okay? First year that we did it in the church, uh, Pastor Cindy and I decided we were going to do kind of a Daniel fast, okay? And, and so we committed to it, and off we go. Well, for me, I traveled a lot in those days with my job. And wouldn't you know it, that, that during, right during that three-week period, I had to do quite a bit of travel. And it was a lot of, uh, it was a, lot of uh, a number of large customer meetings, you know, and which always includes a big dinner. And since it's a big customer, that means it's, you know, it's not at Perkins. You know, it's at a good place, okay? And it was like a lot of steak places and prime rib places and seafood places. And, you know, I just don't like any of that stuff, you know. I mean, that's just, you know, I mean... <laughs> So of course it was no problem for me at all. You know, man. I mean, you know, really. I mean, it's like you know, it's like we're at these great steakhouses and these wonderful seafood places. You know, and people are ordering you know the stuff, and it's you know because it's a big customer, you can get away with ordering anything you wanted on the menu. You know, and I'm ordering the you know, can you make me a steamed veggie platter? You know, and and I I had committed to do this, okay, and you know, it's not like I got ridiculed, but all my colleagues, everybody remember going, Steve. You know, you love a T-bone. Why aren't you ordering, or, you know, you, I know you love ribeye. I've eaten a hundred of them with you. Why aren't you ordering the ribeye? You know, they got the big one with the big bone in it and everything, you know. And like, why, why aren't you getting one of these? And, you know, like the guy on one side of me, he's got the big ribeye, and the one over here has got a lobster or something, you know, and I've got a broccoli, you know. <laughs> okay, it's not like it cost me my job. It's not like anybody said, if you don't order and eat with us, we're going to fire you. But I got a lot of teasing. I got a lot of ribbing. And, you know, it, it was 100. And, and look, I'm 1,000 miles from home. You wouldn't have known. Right? Well, but I would have known. God would have known. You see what I mean? So I had to sit there and eat my broccoli. Right? But you know what? God honors that. Okay, now again, it's not, I'm not lifting up, oh, what a mor- martyr I was. But I'm just telling you, a lot of these temptations to decide to, to, to not take grief for obeying God and standing firm are probably lived at that level for most of us more than life and death kind of threats. Okay, but they're just as real because if we bend to them, they, they, create, they, they move us just as far off the mark. So for you, whatever it is, right, just as it comes along, just I just want to warn you, if you choose to obey and stand firm, you're going to be misunderstood. You'll get a little grief. There might be a little heat. Somebody's going to criticize you a little. If not, they're going to make jokes about you, right? Okay, but I'll just leave it with this. Anything I believe that we do that is of, that's of eternal significance, is going to be met with some resistance because the enemy doesn't like it. So you're going to get some resistance. You're going to get some grief. You're going to get some criticism from people who don't understand not a call from God. They don't understand your call from God. You know, there, there are things that God may call me to do or you to do that he's not calling the guy next to you to do. 
Do you see what I mean? The, some things are universal, right? But, but sometimes God specifically lays a call on your heart or on my heart that is unique to you, at least for this moment in time, for now. And so the question is not what's everybody else doing, but what am I going to do when God clearly speaks to me and calls me, what what you're going to do. And sometimes that's got to do with how we're going to deal with other people. Sometimes it's got to do with a food thing. So, I mean, the the issues can be, right, the the thing that God can call us to do is unlimited. But, But if it's of eternal significance and you obey it, the enemy's going to do his best to see that you get some heat for it because he would like for you to give in and order the steak or to, do, or to go or to do or to say whatever it is. So be ready to be misunderstood. So if we're going to choose to live for God and we're going to understand that we're going to be okay with being misunderstood and even criticized, last thing we've got to do, if we want to not give in to the fear of what other people think about us, is we've got to act immediately, obey immediately. The whole point is immediate obedience. Why is that important? Why is it important for us to, when we have a clear message from God, to obey immediately? Why do you think? Okay, to not allow other people's view to influence. Anybody else? Any other thought? More effective, More effective the faster I obey. Any other thoughts? Yeah, yeah, preventing the enemy's influence, right? I mean, if I sit around and say, well, I, yes, I'm going to obey God, but I'll, I'll, I'll start on uh, Monday. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen between now and Monday? A lot of things to, to cause me to want to rethink my decision, right? But what's right's right. And what obedience of, to God, right, is always the right thing. And so just, why not just obey immediately and get started and avoid all that? So there we see it. Joseph did that. Verse 24, it says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had told him. It doesn't say Joseph thought about it. He didn't go take a survey. He didn't see what other market research would say. He didn't check with his mom and dad or his friends. It just says he woke up and he did it. Joseph obeyed immediately. And it says he took, his, uh, took Mary home as his wife. Now, I want you to think about this. Because I find this sort of amazing when you think about obey immediately. Okay. So... Think about it. Jesus, the Savior of the world, kind of a big deal, right? Was born when two teenage kids with a lot of cultural pressure around them just said yes to God in a simple act of obedience. Isn't that kind of incredible when you think about it? I mean, not a lot of fanfare, you know, no big announcement, you know, no, you know, no, nothing but just two teenage kids saying yes to what God calls them to do. The other thing I think is kind of amazing. Think about it. What did, what you know, what did they know and when did they know it? <laughs> 
Okay, what did the angel tell him? Angel told him, you're going to have a boy, right? Because he did tell him, you're going to have a boy. You're going to name him Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins. See ya. That was it. That was it. What would all of us do? Well, I, yeah, and, and, but we'd probably say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got a few more questions. <laughs> I, I need a... If this is going to be the savior of the world, does he come with an instruction manual? I mean, you know, how do, how, how do, we, how do we raise this kid? I mean, you know, I mean, like, what seminary is he supposed to go to, right? I mean, we've got to be the right one, right? And, I mean, how do we discipline this kid? If he's perfect, I mean, maybe he disciplines us. I don't, I, you know, I, I, I mean, what do we, I mean, can you imagine the kind of questions that if they had the chance? But have you ever noticed that usually what, when God gives you something to do, he doesn't give you all the details? I don't know, you know, I, 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 probably, I can think of at least two reasons why he didn't give you all the details. I mean, w- one of them is if he gave me all the details, where would faith really wouldn't be faith, right? It would just be following the plan, right? Okay, so no faith, okay, so he doesn't do that. I actually think there's a more compassionate reason he doesn't give us all the details. <laughs> and that's because he knows you couldn't handle them. God's probably thinking, if I showed you all the details, you would actually be too overwhelmed to take the first step. It just kind of frees you in your your shoes. But there's a wonderful bit of hope in all that for us, isn't there? Because the deal is just this. We don't need to understand completely in order to obey immediately. We don't need to see the whole picture in order to put the first piece of the puzzle in place. But the key to our lives in being obedient and following and finally getting to where God wants us to go is at some point we do have to be willing to take that first piece of the puzzle, the one that he's put in front of you and in your hand right now, and to put it in. If we sit and wait for the whole picture, no. If we, if, we, if we check with other people to see if it's okay with them, better be listening to God because otherwise you'll get bad, in, you know, you'll get bad uh, instruction. You've got to hear from God, decide to obey him, to live for him, to understand that it may draw some criticism from others, but then move immediately, start immediately to follow him. Just like in our lives... Is the same with Mary and Joseph. Extraordinary acts of God, extraordinary acts of God often start when just ordinary people like us, ordinary people like us, follow ordinary acts of simple obedience. Example. Just think in your own life. What what might you set in motion? What might you set in motion with one simple act of immediate obedience? Look, Pastor Cindy and I had no idea what God might do when he called us to plant this church. We didn't know who might get saved, who might become a follower of Jesus, who who might get healed emotionally, physically, spiritually uh, because of fellowship they would find here. You know, we didn't know. 
But, but he called us to do it, so we started. So we started, one piece at a time. Okay? You don't know what you might set in motion. What if you were to start praying for your coworkers? Don't, don't even worry about talking to them yet. Just start praying for them. Just start praying for them. Praying for God to heal them and to, to reveal his truth to them, to give you an opportunity to share with them at a right time. Just start praying for them. Who, who knows what you might set in motion if you did that? What about your neighbors? What if you were to start praying for your neighbors? A lot of us don't even know our neighbors, much less have a relationship with them. And how would we ever get the opportunity to share with them anything about our lives with no relationship? But, but the beginning, just pray for them. You may say, I don't even know how to get to know them. Fine, pray, ask God. God, if you really want me to know my neighbors, then help me create, a, create an event. Create something, Lord, that lets me meet my neighbors. You don't know what you might set in motion if you would just start to pray for your neighbors. Uh, maybe, what if there's somebody you might know that you could maybe invite them for a meal out or buy them coffee and just get to know them a little better. Who knows what that might set in motion and might start to do. Look, we never know how just one act of obedience could change a life or an entire family for generations to come if we just sort of start praying for them and showing them the love of God. And it would just all happen because you responded to what God put on your heart. You know, just like Joseph, none of us, we just don't need to understand completely to obey immediately. And so... The real question for all of us is, are we going to let fear dictate our lives, fear of what other people think? Are we going to allow God to speak into our lives? We're going to reject the fear. We're going to choose to live our lives in ways that please him. We're going to to understand that criticism will come. It's okay. We're going to still listen to God. But when we understand clearly what he's told us to do, we're going to be willing to act immediately to move forward with him. And that's how we'll overcome the fear of what other people think in our lives. Would you guys stand with me as we uh, as we get ready to close? Let's just, everybody, let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. Nobody's looking around, okay? This is just a private moment between you and God, okay? But but today, if, if you would say, you know what, I, I recognize that there are at least a, enough times that I have allowed fear of what other people may think of me to, to have a, a level of control in my life. And, 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 and I don't want to do that, I, that but, but that's been me, okay? Let's just, let's just confess it, okay? Just quickly slip your hand up and say, yep, there's times I have let fear dictate my life. Amen, amen. Okay, most every hand is up, okay? Because we do, okay? We do, okay? And so, and so now... Let's just, you know, the Word of God, right, is we always know we can claim the Word of God. And 2 Timothy 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So we know that if we're feeling fear, we know it's not from God. We know it's from the enemy. And so today, what we want to do is claim that power of love, that power, love, and of a sound mind, that, that, it's, that we're going to reject the fear that the enemy is wanting to put in our hearts, okay? So uh, if today, if you're ready to overcome that fear, uh, let's, just, uh, let's just pray along with me here. Lord, today, we come before you, and Father, we all recognize that we have allowed fear, Lord, fear of what other people will think in our lives, to hold us back, to keep us down, Lord, to, to cause us to sit when you called us to stand, have caused us to stay when you told us to go. You has kept us silent when you've called us to speak. Lord, today, 
we come before you, and Lord, we confess that we've allowed that spirit of fear into our lives. And Lord, today we ask, we, we confess it, and Lord, we repent of it. Father, we break fellowship and agreement with it in Jesus' name. And Lord, we submit that fear to the blood of the cross of Jesus. Lord, today we ask you to cover that with your precious blood. Lord, all the way back to where it began in our lives and beyond. In Jesus' name. We say, fear, you no longer have a place in my life. Father, we ask you to uh, fill that void. God, fill that void that that that's created, Lord, with your power, your love, and a sound mind. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' precious and holy name. And now, Lord, today, I, I declare, if you agree with me, you just pray along. Lord, I declare that I choose to align my heart with the heart of God. Lord, I choose your plans for my life, your purposes. Lord, I will not allow fear of man to keep me, Lord, from daily following your loving call. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.